Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. In today's episode, I'm going to try and do something that I've tried to do several times. So here is another attempt at an introduction to the OWASP Top 10. I think this is an important topic to cover for this podcast, whilst we're talking about vulnerability scanning, penetration testing, that kind of thing. Because the OWASP Top 10 is, is such an important document to security testing, especially within the context of web application testing. I previously tried to give a summary of the OWASP Top 10 by going down from A1 down to A10 and talking a little bit about each vulnerability in turn, what it is, where it comes from, that kind of thing. This time, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach and try and give you a summary of why the top 10 exists, where it can be beneficial to organizations and where it can be a little weak. So um, for those who've never come across OWASP before, OWASP are the Open Web Application Security Project. They're a not-for-profit, so they're a uh, an organization that does a lot in regards to security in particular, but not limited to web application security. And I guess they're most well-known for the OWASP top 10. There's a lot of stuff they do outside of that. So let's take a little, little bit of a look around who OWASP are, um, what the top 10 is, alternatives to the top 10, and, and how it can benefit you. Um, as a not-for-profit organization or foundation, um, they produce... Uh, educational content for uh, people interested in security. They put together um, conferences or, or kind of uh, groups for uh, talking about security issues, security risks, and broadly look to to educate and train people on security vulnerabilities. It's not all talking about like the pen testing side of like um, hacking in. It's a lot about how do we test? How do we write more secure software? and making sure that people are aware of the the risks and aware of how we can improve security broadly. So it's everything from OWASP chapters, doing conference talks, to things like the top 10. So what is the top 10? Well, firstly, there is more than one top 10, although broadly speaking, when people say OWASP top 10, they, they mean specifically the web application top 10. Um, it's been around for the longest and it's certainly the most well-known, but there is also the mobile top 10 and the API top 10. So it's not the only one, but um, it's an awareness document. That That's the term that they use and that's how uh, it should be thought about because anytime that you have a document that is the top 10 vulnerabilities that you should care about as an organization, it's completely sensible for somebody to <laughs> respond with, well, what about number 11 or what about number 12? It's also valid to talk about the context of organizations and, well, my top 10 might not be the same as your top 10. So where does this come from? How is it weighted? What is what is the ordering? How does that happen? That kind of thing. So um, the OWASP top 10 is an awareness document for developers and penetration testers to, to get to grips with web application security and the kinds of vulnerabilities that they should care about. So it's good for opening a conversation about web application security, and it's good for if you are looking for a starting position, as long as you consider it just a starting position. Um, something that gets you uh, a point to begin the journey of developing um, broader security. It's not the only document. So I mentioned things like security testing guides, and they have uh, the web security testing guide on OWASP where you can look through um, how we should uh, approach finding these vulnerabilities and, and how 
uh, these vulnerabilities might differ depending on the, the framework or the code in use or how PHP varies from Java, that kind of thing. They also have the application security verification standard. So this is um, more towards the kind of audit side of things. So it's a, a document that would allow you to validate that secure uh, coding practices uh, are in place. So if you're looking to um, assess the secure development of software, then the SVS, the Application Security Verification Standard, is possibly a better document, certainly a much deeper document than the OS Top 10. But the Top 10 itself, uh, where it comes from, is um, broad consensus. So OWASP ask. Um, organizations and researchers who are working in the field of web application security for what kinds of vulnerabilities do you come across? How do those vulnerabilities manifest? How frequently do you see them? And uh, looking at things like the exploitability of vulnerabilities. So it's not just uh, if a vulnerability exists and how it exists, but uh, how that can impact an organization in terms of uh, the actual impact, worst case scenario, but also the likelihood of exploitation, that kind of thing. So the top 10 is a list of 10 vulnerabilities as a starting point for looking at web application security. It comes out roughly every three years. The current version is 2017, so we're about due one. But um, each three-year period doesn't change that much. Um, there is some kind of noticeable journeys some of the vulnerabilities have taken. So back in 2003, 2004, cross-site scripting was the number one vulnerability. In the next release, it was the number two, and then it's slowly fallen down over the years to it's currently the number seven. So that has fallen down uh, due to changes in the threat landscape and due to changes in um, how applications work. Cross-site request forgery used to be in the top 10, and now it's not. Broadly speaking, that's because of frameworks handling cross-site request forgery well and taking it out of the hands of developers. So we have a standardized approach to CSAF protection, that kind of thing. And um, some vulnerabilities haven't changed much at all. So injection, for example, is number one. It's been number one for quite a while now. So um, these vulnerabilities are classes of vulnerabilities. It's not... It's not like a single instance. So they're not like CVEs, common vulnerabilities and exposures, which uh, effectively log or track uh, individual vulnerabilities within specific systems. This is classes of vulnerability that can affect uh, many, many different kinds of applications. So number one is injection. And within injection, we have things like SQL injection, NoSQL injection, OS injection or command injection, LDAP injection. So it's a class of vulnerabilities that has a lot of things underneath it. Number two is broken authentication. So that itself can talk about vulnerabilities within authentication systems, session management, and this can be incorrect implementations, right down to uh, weaknesses that allow passwords and keys to be stolen. So um, these are uh, broad categories, and it's not necessarily something that's just simple uh, to kind of tick off as you go through testing or as you go through validations. It's a much bigger um, area. Also, when it comes to, to what I mentioned earlier in terms of the, well, what about 11? Um, that's a valid concern. I mentioned CSAF previously, but there is 12, 13, no doubt. And uh, within the OWASP Top 10 document, so on the OWASP website, OWASP.org, there is a, a PDF that talks about um, what the Top 10 is, gives examples of each vulnerability class, and then also discusses things like where the data has come from, what number 12 is, what number 13 is, uh, why they have made these decisions. 
So very quickly, I should probably list the OS top 10, just in case this is completely new to you. Number one at the moment for the 2017 version is injection, and then we have broken authentication, sensitive data exposure, XML external entities, broken access control, security misconfiguration, cross-site scripting, insecure deserialization, using components with known vulnerabilities, and insufficient logging and monitoring. That's the 10, and you can see that they're, they're categories of vulnerabilities, not individual uh, vulnerability examples, they're like classes of vulnerability. And uh, like I said, some of them have uh, moved. I give the example of cross-site scripting uh, working its way down over time. That's not the only change that's happened, though. We've also had um, categories be renamed and categories be uh, combined or, or, or joined. So we saw uh, broken access control split previously. We saw insecure cryptographic storage be renamed previously. There's been a lot of changes over time which can mean it's not necessarily easy to compare one to another. It's not as easy as saying like what was uh, what existed in 2003 versus what existed in 2017. But it's still a useful document and it's still good for things like when you're looking at doing a review of your security. So if you want to do things like building up um, security awareness training for developers, so if you want to talk about secure coding practices, those kinds of things, it's a good jumping off point for that kind of thing. It's also good for talking about uh, vulnerabilities in terms of um, commonality, exploitability, that kind of thing. If you find an SQL injection vulnerability within a web application, one of the problems with injection vulnerabilities is they're really well known. And that um, that alongside the fact that there is typically um, common publicly available exploitation tools, so looking at USQL map, that reduces the barrier to entry for the threat actor. This isn't some obscure vulnerability that you know, only a few people are familiar with. It's not something that's difficult to exploit. It, it's a, a real um, simple vulnerability to exploit typically. So that kind of information can lead back into when you're reporting vulnerabilities on pen tests or when you're reporting vulnerabilities internally, um, that, that can um, impact the way that we would describe a vulnerability or possibly the rating we'd give to a vulnerability. But that's pretty much it for the OWASP top 10. It's just a starting point for vulnerabilities. And like I said, for for the OWASP uh, projects, it's not the only one. There's a mobile top 10 as well, which is worth looking at if you're into um, mobile security. And it'll talk about things like client code quality, insecure authorization. So it's similar, but it, it is different. There's also the API top 10. So a couple of examples from the API top 10. Uh, broken object level authorization. So there are there are variations between the between each, each of the top tens. But I think my, my big takeaway from this is um, it's not something to be relied upon. It's not the be all and end all. And if you're looking for something to drive good testing practices, then you probably want to be looking at the uh, web security testing guides. If you're looking for something to use as a foundation for uh, verifying security, uh, the security lifecycle, verifying secure development, that kind of thing, then the ASVS is probably the document that you want to look for. If you want to put something in front of someone just who is new to security and just like a, well, where do I start is the problem. Top 10 is really good for that. So consider it a awareness document. And I think one of the big things from the top 10 point of view is don't try and squeeze all of security into the top 10. So whilst it's a good starting point, sometimes we see customers wanting us to uh, flag vulnerabilities based on where in the top 10 they sit. And sometimes they're not in the top 10. So it can make that... Um, 
reporting side of things a, a little bit more difficult. It's also narrowing your view of security. So if you have something that's a little rarer or a little more niche, uh, it's going to make talking about that vulnerability more difficult. So a good example of this might be um, unvalidated redirects and forwards. Legitimate vulnerability comes about quite commonly within web applications, especially where they're redirecting users around authentication and things like that. So if you click a link, but you have to be logged in, their site might redirect you to the login page before directing you back to where you were. That type of functionality is sometimes vulnerable. So a threat actor can craft a link that when you click it, it redirects you to a third party page. A really powerful uh, issue especially in the context of phishing attacks, where you can have a phishing email that has a link that looks legitimate. It looks like it's going to take you to the actual page. You know, the, the host name is correct. It's HTTPS, all of that kind of thing. But because of an insecure and unvalidated redirect, it can send you off to an insecure or malicious third-party website. Powerful vulnerabilities, well-known common vulnerabilities, but not quite common enough to feature in the top 10. So if you're trying to drive the entirety of your security program through the top 10, it's probably not going to help probably going to hinder the report writing process and and make uh, the tester try and squeeze things in or worse, leave things out. It's also worth mentioning that it's not the only top list for vulnerabilities. So uh, I guess directly comparable would be something like the SANS top 25, which is uh, software errors, software issues. And the top 25 includes um, the most common weaknesses as seen from the list of CWEs. So CWEs, so um, common weakness enumerations. Uh, again, another acronym, would you believe it, within information security, we have CVEs and CWEs. Uh, the SANS top 25 most common software errors or software vulnerabilities uh, aligned to the CWEs. Some examples from that would be things like uh, use after free vulnerabilities, out of band reads, those kinds of things. So it's not limited to web application vulnerabilities, but there is going to be uh, some crossover. So CW79, for example, improper neutralization of input during a web page generation. That's cross-site scripting. So cross-site scripting features in the OS top 10 as number seven. We mentioned that earlier. So there is a crossover. If you're looking for uh, a complete list of all vulnerabilities possible, you're probably going to want to look towards something like the CWEs, Common Weakness Enumerations. If you want a list of generically what vulnerabilities you should be looking at, maybe the SANS Top 25 is what you're looking for. If you're looking within a niche, be it web or mobile or API, then maybe the OWASP projects uh, should be what you're looking for. So there's a lot to it, and it's definitely worth uh, reviewing these things, and it's definitely worth having an awareness within a security testing team or a secure development team of what all of these weaknesses are and how they um, differ. And even within just a single niche, like cryptographic weaknesses, there's there's an awful lot of them. The CWE list has quite a neat breakdown of them. Um, but yeah, the takeaway is you're not going to fit all vulnerabilities neatly into something like a top 10. Something's always going to fall out. So just use it as a jumping off point for security and don't try and fix it on it too much. But there are better projects out there if you're looking for something a little bit more in depth. And that's that. That's your introduction to the OWASP top 10. Um, is there something that I missed? Is there something that you thought was important in this area that I, that I haven't mentioned? Let us know over social media. I'll bring it up in another podcast. And um, hopefully you can start to see that you're going to see there's more than just 10 vulnerabilities. I mean, look at the CWE list. There's like a thousand. Shouldn't surprise anyone, but it's good sometimes to have some reference material. It's also good sometimes from a um, looking back at how 
old is a vulnerability. So a good example of this was, if you remember when uh, British Airways got breached, this is the, uh, the Mage car attack. An interesting one to look at from um, the fact that a lot of websites are vulnerable in this way, and this idea of including third-party JavaScript brings in a risk, but sometimes it's a difficult risk to quantify. When that uh, attack happened, people immediately start talking about things like, well, sub-resource integrity is something that will protect you in this area. But one of the things that's also worth looking at when a interesting vulnerability is discovered or an organization is breached in some way is how old is that vulnerability? I always tease organizations that get hit with SQL injection because SQL injection has been around since 1998, making it a very old vulnerability. But even something like third-party JavaScript is effectively an older vulnerability. You could consider this under uh, CWE829, which is inclusion of functionality from an untrusted control sphere. Sounds very good, but that's what that is, right? It's including things like uh, JavaScript from a third party where if that third party has a security violation, a, a breach, something of that nature, it can impact your application. So these vulnerabilities have been around for a while. None of them is new, shouldn't surprise anyone, but it's a, it's a good reference just for how old is, is this issue. Um, I think the date on the CWE document for 829 is something like uh, 2010. So it's another example of an old vulnerability. But it's a cool thing to look at. And thank you for listening, and I will see you in the next podcast. Thank you.